0: So today is going to be the last message of our I Love My Church uh, series, and it's going to be on sharing. And as we saw in the video up there, we saw a person who was uh, being prompted by God to share their faith and to share their lives with the people around them. So I have a question. Has anyone here ever dreamed of going somewhere for a long time only to be disappointed in it when you finally got to go there. For years, I worked with a guy who was also a battalion chief on the Chicago Fire Department. Worked with him as a paramedic down in southeast Wisconsin. And he used to rave about the food at a restaurant in Chicago called Luciano's over on Rush Street. He would rave. He said, I try to get over there every single shift to get some of their spaghetti or some of their lasagna. It's... It's authentic Chicago Italian food. If you ever get down to Rush Street in Chicago, you have to go and eat at Luciano's. And he would tell me this all the time and he even brought like a container of it in so I could like sample their lasagna. And yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Chicago is one of those places that I didn't really like to go to that much. I mean, there's just so many people, so much traffic, just so much going on down there. I kinda like the country life myself. (laughs) But one time, Tammy and I were down there. We decided to take a walk along Michigan Avenue and ended up over on Rush Street to see the shops. And we came upon Luciano's. So we decided to eat there. And I'm expecting culinary nirvana. I am expecting the best Italian food ever. I mean, it's Luciano's, supposedly world-famous Italian restaurant. It's authentic Chicago food. But instead, we got horrible service. We got mediocre food. I mean, the, the, I think I had a piece of lasagna and like water was running off it. It literally looked like they took it out of a freezer, carved it off, and microwaved it. I mean, it was, it was not good at all, and it turned out to be a huge bill. If Yelp had been around at that time, I would have logged on immediately and given it an unfavorable review. I mean, it was horrible, just a bad experience all around. And if we're looking at restaurants, it all boils down to a great dining experience. It comes down to two things, food and atmosphere, right? It's all about what you see and what you taste. For the math people in the house, here's the equation. Food plus atmosphere equals the experience. When well, if you hear about a new restaurant coming to town, aren't those the two things you ask about? How's the food and how's it look? The opposite of Luciano's is almost every time we've gone to a Red Lobster. I love Red Lobster. If they had a Red Lobster here in town, Tammy and I would be eating there all the time. And we'd be broke. (laughs) But it always has great food, a great atmosphere, and wonderful service. And as she said, we'd have to get more part-time jobs or something just to feed our Red Lobster habit. It's, it's just one of the best places that we eat on a regular or a semi regular basis. Now, if we apply this to our series and to our message today, Jesus has given us new lives without fences. We talked about that in our first uh, sermon of this series. He's given us lives that are part of a new community that He is creating. And this life in this community, in His kingdom, is life that is meant to be lived. It's giving us a new identity and a new set of values, a new set of ethics to live by. We concluded the first week that our reputation as people of this new community should be one of love. God wants all people to know this life of salvation, this life of of forgiveness, of peace, of healing, of purpose and hope. God wants all of this for all the people in our lives. So here's the question that we have to consider as we're concluding our series. How do people come into this new life with God through Jesus Christ? How do people hear and discover? How do they experience the kingdom of God? Well, let's look through the Bible to answer some of these questions. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13 today. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or flip there in your electronic device, however you read God's word, we're going to be reading from, again, Matthew 5, uh, starting in verse 13. This is Jesus speaking during his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, as we wrap up this series of Of loving our church, it all comes down to this idea of living our lives and sharing our faith through how we live our lives. I ask, Father, that every word of this message will just penetrate into everyone's heart. Help it to judge the thoughts and attitudes, help it to change our way of thinking. And most importantly, help set a fire within us to see the people we know and love become disciples of Jesus Christ themselves. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. We're talking a moment about experiences in restaurants. But the main point of our life in Jesus Christ is that God entrusts us to create a kingdom experience within our own lives. A few moments ago, we were speaking about the eating establishments and what makes them appealing to the person coming off the street. But the same principles apply to how we live our Christianity. If it's attractive to those who have never had a chance to taste and see that the Lord is good. And one of the first ways that we create this experience is to realize what the scriptures tell us right here, that we are the salt of the earth. Now how many people would be honest, I won't tell your physicians, how many people put salt on everything? <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't tell their doctor, you don't get to be mom today either, Tammy. Why do we do that? Tammy does the same thing to me. I put like, if she cooks like a hamburger dish, I automatically put ketchup on it. Drives her crazy. You haven't even tasted it yet. You're putting ketchup on it. Same thing to me. Well, why do we do this? Why do we add things to our food? Well, we add salt because it brings out the flavor, right? It's a a flavoring agent. It brings taste to bland food. And it also preserves. If someone gives you a plate of food that's not really up to snuff, What are the first words out of your mouth? Can somebody pass the salt, right? Because it just brings something to this. But don't miss what Jesus is telling us with this metaphor in the word of God. He is making it clear how necessary and important we are for the welfare of the entire world. You are placed where you are placed right now in this period of your life for such a time as this, not by accident, but according to the plan of a sovereign God who had this mapped out from eternity past. Because we have experienced a transformation in our lives as we come into the kingdom of heaven. Now our presence is necessary as God's means of influencing the world for good. Regardless of our status, regardless of our profession, the kingdom of of life that we possess is invaluable for the effect that we can have on our daily circles of influence. Furthermore, Jesus said, you are the light of the world in verse 14. In Jesus' time, houses were lit by small wicker lamps. They're only about that big. And they gave just a little bit of light And your average home only had one or two windows in it because of the wind and and all that kind of stuff. They didn't have a lot of windows. And so they were most effective when they were placed on a lampstand or hung from the ceiling. So even the smallest of lights lifted up can chase away darkness. In the same way Jesus' life and, and message of salvation brought light to us because he was lifted up for us. Then and now, his disciples are living demonstration of the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. The very nature of light is to remove darkness. We not only carry the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God, but we are that light for those who are perishing. Because of the work of the Spirit in our lives, our transformation has produced kingdom light within us. We reflect that light of Jesus to the world. As salt and light, we bring taste and the atmosphere of Jesus' kingdom to our world. If food plus atmosphere equals experience, then the experience of the kingdom that comes from his followers brings an atmosphere that should change the atmosphere that was there before. When we walk into a room, the spiritual atmosphere should be changing. Just because of that kingdom we carry within us. Isn't it amazing to consider how much God trusts the church with? Think about the mission that he has given us. Think about the riches that he has poured out in our lives. Think about everything he has given us. It's not just for our own pleasure. It's not just to have the newest and greatest things. It's not just to have a whole bunch of zeros behind a number in our checking account. He has given all of this to help his kingdom go forward. We are to bring the taste. We are to bring the light. We are to bring the Jesus community and kingdom experience to our city so that people can know God, so people can find God, so people can repent and find new life. Think about it like this. Is there something about our city that you don't like? Ask yourself, are you salting it? We're not talking about salting the sidewalks like we were a few weeks ago. We're talking about bringing that presence and that kingdom of God in and making it bare in the way that our city is being run and our city is, 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 is existing. Are you discouraged that our culture is so dark? Then ask yourself, are you providing some light for it? If the culture is bland and dark, then we need to get to salting and lighting it. And that's seeing when we intentionally love one another, when we intentionally use our gifting and we live out the life and love of God toward one another and the world outside of these walls. When we do that, we're salting the bland and bringing light to the darkness. Saying, I love my church, it's not about us. It just doesn't just impact the people who are who are sitting in this room. It's about everybody else on the outside of these walls, too. So you say, how can I bring the I love my church experience to our culture? Well, people will experience Jesus' community when we live its values. A few moments ago we read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. But you can't separate it from the scripture that precedes it. In Matthew 5, 2-12, it describes the Beatitudes. Those beautiful attitudes of the Christ follower. The Beatitudes are not just an intro to the Sermon of the Mount. They are the truth that is expressed and everything underneath that is how you express it. The salt and light metaphors come out of the Beatitudes. If you show these beautiful attitudes of Jesus, then you will be the salt and light to those around you. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God through regeneration. He's brought it through the renewal of the spirit within us. Jesus transforms us, and the Spirit produces within us a poverty of spirit. He produces that mourning, that meekness, that righteousness, mercy, purity, and peace that's all brought within us when we allow ourselves to become that salt and light, when we humble ourselves and ask Jesus' character to be poured into us so that his blessings can be poured out through us. You see, these are the characteristics of Jesus' disciples that allow God to establish his kingdom in his way. This is the kingdom life God puts in us. And then we demonstrate it to the world. The Beatitudes are a character profile of a person who says, I love my church. So seasoning and shining isn't only about the message we declare with our lips. It's about how we go on with our lives. Lifestyle is the emphasis here. Being salt in life is about the message we declare with our actions, our reactions and everything in between. We can't separate our message from our lifestyle. Let me say that one more time. We can't separate our message from our lifestyle. If we are not living what we are speaking, then no one is going to listen to it. That salt has become bland, worn out. It's all about who we are and how we are to this world. The values in you will express this as you live the kingdom life to those around you. People will experience a kingdom when we live its values. This helps us realize how to be effective agents of salt and life. It's how we show the love of Jesus to those outside of the church. Another way we do that is that we live the values of Jesus' community in our daily ordinary. Everybody thinks you need to be standing on a street corner proclaiming the gospel. But the gospel is most effectively shared by living it in front of other people. I recently saw on the news, there was this young guy who almost overdosed on soy, soy sauce. You think, how could somebody overdose on soy sauce? Well, there was a young man who drank a quart of it and went into a coma and nearly died because soy sauce is extremely high in salt. And if you get that much salt in your body, I won't get into the boring physiology of it, but it can kill you. makes your brain swell. just does all kinds of of really bad things. And he did it on a dare. Well, medical reports show that he was the first person known to have deliberately overdosed on such a high amount of salt and survived with no lasting neurological problems. And I share this story because it applies to what we're talking about here and how we live. We are called to bring salt and light into our world so they can experience a kingdom, but not so much so they can be blinded by the sun or overdose on sodium. So the question we have to answer is, are we seasoning and shining or are we blinding and gagging? Let me give you an example of blinding and gagging. In the city of Kenosha, because we had so much manufacturing there over the years, labor unions are huge. And during the Labor Day weekend, they have a festival at Columbus Park. Columbus Park's about the size of the park over by the hospital if you take the whole thing in, baseball diamond. It's about that size. And they would have a Labor Day festival there. And they would take... You know, several thousand people and pack it in there. They'd have live music, carnivals, drinking, that, that whole kind of, of atmosphere there. Bands, beer, and carnival. One year, a very conservative and very outspoken church in the community decided to protest the event. They set up on a street corner right across the street from the festival with bullhorns and tried to proclaim the gospel by telling everyone they were going to hell. And one of their signs said, you are going to be kindling, it'll keep God's feet warm at night. Now, is there truth to this message? Yeah. There's truth to it. But just because it's correct doesn't mean it's effective. I'd argue that their method was pouring a gallon of soy sauce down somebody's throat. No one walked away from that message thinking, Man, I need that Jesus. I want that Jesus in my life. Nobody walked away from that, about that. Now let me give you an example of seasoning and shining. A pastor recently received an email that went like this. I recently moved back to the city and I was able to start back at my old job. Many of the server employees were surprised to see me. It was a restaurant. Nevertheless, I was able to get back to working. About a week ago, one of them, I could tell something was on her mind. She started to share her troubles about her daughter leaving, and she was afraid. Well, I shared my testimony about how my mom and I didn't speak for almost two years. And throughout the past years, I found God and our relationship began to grow. She mentioned that she wanted to go to church, but she hasn't gone yet. And I encouraged her and said that God changed me and cares about our relationships. She's got my number and we talk more at work and I'm leaving the door open to share some more. She further shared in her email to her pastor, she said, Over the last two days, the servers lately have become cranky and gossiping and arguing about the management at work. She said, I refuse, I just, I don't want to get into the gossip, and I'm going to respect the management there, regardless of how I think the place should be run. They all know that I'm this faith-based girl. However, the gossip became so bad that yesterday during the dinner rush, the manager had to call a meeting explaining that the customers were overhearing them complaining about their jobs. And I kept encouraging the management, telling them that they were doing a good job, and sharing with the employees, trying to build a team atmosphere, and building them up with my words. Also that night, I was done with some of my work, so I decided I could go and help in the kitchen. So I started helping the dishwasher put away dishes, even though that's not part of my job. And one of the dishwashers said, You are a good worker, Misha. I always see you helping out people that you don't even have to help. I said to him, I work for the Lord. He smiled and said, All those other servants, all, all those other service, all they do is come back here and complain. But I can tell you are believing that you are working from the Lord and you are acting like it. I said, Have you ever heard this saying, The joy of the Lord is my strength? He said, No, where is that? I said, it's in the Bible, and this is why I'm different. And I didn't used to be this way, and she got an opportunity to share a little bit of her testimony. He said, you know what? I really want to get back into my faith, I think. But I don't know how. Can you tell me? He said that after work, he was able to share the gospel with this dishwasher, and he came to faith. You know, it's really easy to carry a sign and scream in anger about the evil of the world, but it's a lot more difficult to see and act like Jesus in the ordinary and the mundane. But it's the triv- what we think the tr- is trivial, that, that day-to-day stuff, that routine, working in an office or at school, in the gym or, or on the job, that's where we need to be Jesus most to people. So I'd ask you, think about your daily routine. Think about your coworkers, especially those annoying ones. Think about your classmates if you're in school. Think about that annoying neighbor that you might have. God has put you in their lives for such a time as this, because He needs you to be their salt and their light. know this, people will experience a kingdom from you in the normal everyday life. And that's when those moments in the normal become extraordinary. When people are able to taste and see from you that the Lord is good. It's all about sharing who Jesus is through how you live your life. And that brings us to one of our last points here. That those who have truly experienced Jesus will help others experience Jesus. Matthew 5.14 says, A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Therefore, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And I've hoped if, you, if you've been here over the last several weeks and, and heard all the messages about Loving My Church, if not, they're on, the, they're on the podcast on the website. You can go back and listen to them there. If you've learned everything, anything over these past few weeks, we've learned that loving the church isn't just about this brick building that we are in. Think about the very first week when we read John 13.35, which says, By all this, or by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. And here's the thing. How can people observe us having a reputation of love if we're never around people. You can't season and shine when you live a life entirely separated from that bland darkness. You know, this, this church, this organization, this building, whatever, whatever nomenclature you want to put on it, it is not meant to be a fort that keeps away everybody. It's meant to be a gas station. I mean, do we go up to Quick Trip or or BP or, or Cenex, put gas in the car and then hang around there all day? No. We jump back in our car and continue to go on with the things in this life. And that is what the church is supposed to be for us. When we love our church, we're supposed to be carrying everything that we've got within that church out into the world. Whether it's, it's Sunday church, like what we're doing right now, or Sunday school, or Wednesday night, they're here to assist us to grow and become a stronger community in the faith. We're strengthening our saltness and brightness, if you will. But if we are never interacting with people outside our church, then we have failed. We are to live Jesus' values while being connected to the people of this world. What are some of the ways that we can begin connecting with your neighborhood? We'll look into that. But one of the most challenging questions I have ever heard as a pastor is one that needs to be asked by every church. And it's this. If our church ceased to exist, would the neighborhood even notice? Would they be sad and mourn? Would they say to us, no, you can't go? What do we, what do we have to do to make sure that, that you stay here? Or would they not even notice? We must be a church that they would miss. Not for our own sakes, not for our own reputations, but because they experience Jesus when they experience us. We must be sharing with our community the love of Jesus by being the salt and light. Many of you are doing this. Many of you work in the community. Many of you are volunteering at the hospital, volunteering at the food pantry. Um, Keith volunteers at the animal shelter. There are people out there who are influencing their community by being salt and light. But there are other ways you can do it. You can tutor. You can coach weightlifting. You can do all kinds of things to show that kind of Jesus love to other people. So I would ask you right now to just close your eyes for a moment and say, God, how can I be salt and light in my world? What ministry, what, what duty, what, what, what kind of thing would you have me do so that I can be salt and light to somebody? If you really ask God, he'll show you what to do. He'll show you where to go. He'll show you where to to share the experience of Jesus through living your life among those who don't know him.